Welcome. Welcome, all you low-life losers, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your unwashed host, Mike Turner. (laughs) Yes! And I just got back from collecting aluminum cans, and joining me in our studios in Southern <laughs> Illinois is a man who some say needs no edu- introduction, and to put that to the test, he's not going to get one. It's producer Mason. Hey. How are you doing, Mason? Hey, oh. <laughs> Says he's not going to get an introduction, gives him an introduction anyway. I love, I love the energy we're starting off with here. We're coming in hot today. And that voice is a man who is pretty much ready to fight every single individual at ESPN. It's Sean Campbell. Oh, man. Yes, I'm I'm ready to fight every single one except for one uh, because my aunt actually works at for ESPN. And I I, I, she's a lovely human being and refuse to fight her. But I will fight all of her co-workers. (laughs) Barry Melrose included. (laughs) I will fight Barry Melrose and kick his ass. Poser. Fight your on. Oh, he's he's a fucking poser po- poser, if anything, bud. He's freaking 20 ply. Sean I'll take you lose. any day. Sean would lose in Kumite because he refuses to fight his aunt. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till Skip Bayless hears about this. He's gonna rip you up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I don't know if we're big enough for him to even care. <laughs> He's not big enough for me to care. I guess it's mutual. <laughs> this is f- <laughs> <laughs> And uh, how's everybody doing this week out there in listener land? We're feeling kind of down today, can you tell? But we uh, got Mike, some interesting- Mike, you do know that they can't actually respond, right? Sure they can. I just can't hear it. <laughs> just hollering at your phone like you're an old man listening to a radio. That's that's some real that's some real Kelly Chase doing doing blues game radio. If you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio BS right there, and I love it. I got decades in this game. One of the beauties is you very rarely hear <laughs> with any immediacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving on. Let's uh, let's do some. You know. Real talk. Uh, St. Louis City, we got some news. Not a lot about the big club, but uh big one is. And as you've heard us say before, strong rumors do persist about the final MLS Next Pro match. Um, what date is that? September 18th? The 18th, yes. Yeah. Uh, the match against uh, Sporting Kansas City 2 would be held at Centene Stadium. Uh, we have some information for you. Sources have told us from reliable information that uh, city employees have been heard stating that there will be reduced capacity for that game at Centene Stadium with 10,000 fans able to attend. Along that same vine, via Twitter, just a couple hours ago, City SC report, hey guys, uh, Cited reliable sources indicating the club will be releasing an announcement on September 1st. Details of the info in said announcement, not immediately known. But uh, the uh, the most open secret among secrets that this uh, city front office likes to keep is the fact that uh, the soft opening would be this final game of the season. 
Is the uh, game still listed as TBC, which is a brand new term to me, on the uh, on the app or on the website? Yes, that match is still listed as TBC. Not TCB, yep. which is taking care of business. <laughs> uh, TBC, I'm not familiar with, but it is still TBC. Uh, the club itself did put out a couple of hours ago from the time of recording, and as usual, this is recorded on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, put out a, a picture and a statement saying that there is a training going on now in downtown West. The training camp is open. Uh, Tom Timmerman of uh, St. Louis Today also retweeted that with a funny little comment saying that uh, he was once late for an interview because they practice in so many different places so far that uh, he apologized to Coach Hackworth, who said it's no big deal. One day his wife went to pick him up after practice and went to the wrong venue as well. <laughs> so it's nice to have a home, I guess, is the moral of the story, kids. And uh, other parables upcoming, I'm sure. I also, um, they showed that picture, and um, I think it was on the Luligans po uh, podcast, they made a joke about potentially watching uh games held at the training field from the uh the wheel and uh i thought that was funny and then i they so showed the picture with that angle uh looking looking east and i was like oh the wheel is like right next door <laughs> it's right there it's right up in their grill <laughs> i believe the wheel is closer to the training pitch than the wheel is to scott trade which is saying something oh significantly yes it's a block away but that's not what we're here to talk about. Actually, what we're here to talk about, well, one of the things is City 2. They're still on their uh, prodigious uh, ramp rampage, I should say, up and down the west coast of the U.S. And this stop took them to outside of Portland, Hillsboro, Oregon, uh, where they took on Timbers 2. Unlike the uh, parent club in MLS, Timbers 2 is... Not on a rampage. Uh, they're slinking off into that good night, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah. But actually, they seem to be up as City uh, has a big target on their back, especially when they put out such uh, classy players as Jao Klaus, who was very classy in this one, providing an assist to the opening goal. What was it? Four minutes? The fourth minute of the game. Uh, gives the pass out to the top of the box for Akil Watts. Uh, he avoided a kind of lame tackle from a defender, bought himself some room, and put a strike in the uh, lower end of the uh, near post corner. That could put uh, City up 1-0 very, very early on in this match. Thought it was going to be a cruise from there, but uh, Timbers had a little more fight in them than anticipated. Uh, early on, they had a pretty good chance when they had a shot on goal. Uh, Ian McGrain was the goalkeeper for City in this one. He spilt the uh, shot right onto the head. I mean, literally, right onto the head of the uh, attacker for Timbers 2. And the fortunate thing, he was right there. He didn't have time to react, got it wide on the near post there. Uh, Portland did, however, strike back in the 18th minute with a nice play. Uh, there was a rocket that McGrain got a piece of, but not enough. The big thing is, is it was coming off of a corner. I don't know who the central defender was for City. Couldn't make it out because, you know, the live stream is a little uh, 
less than optimal, let's say. Dubious uh, at best is the yeah, phrase I yeah. like to use. Completely lost his mark and then tried to head the uh, cross coming in. Didn't get it, left him wide open. Uh, 1v1 versus a goalkeeper. And that tied it up. And that was a little bit of a shock. Uh, as for Armstrong had to be subbed off for Kwame Awua in the 24th minute, uh, seeming to suffer an injury. Uh, why he would be faking it to be pulled in the 24th minute, we can't say. So yeah. I would say it is an apparent injury. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not like very serious, but like enough that they didn't want to deal with like the, the off-field treatment stuff. So uh, play continued on for a while until the 38th minute. We had some excitement when the Kiwa Watts put a good through ball to Klaus. Uh, Klaus did a very good job in this one of stepping just forward. Breaking the offside trap. Timbers players fell backward, kept him onside. Pass was perfectly timed. He took it in stride and put it away. Very classy move. And that left it a uh, 2-1 lead at the half. Second half has been happening recently. Started off with a lot more excitement than the first. Uh, Kyle Hebert hit home a loose ball from a set piece in the 49th minute. Uh, didn't take long. T2 had an answer already. Still surprising with the fight they put up. 51st off a rebounded save. Uh, second notable spilt save by McGrain in this one. This one cost them. Uh, and finally, Klaus scores a, his second goal in the 53rd after a nice service into the box from Cecilio Pompeo. Uh, another very similar Pompeo service finds Victor Diaz in the 72nd to give City... Uh, five goals in back-to-back games, which is approaching Philadelphia Union territory, and more on that coming later in the show. Uh, T2 did get a garbage-time goal, scrub-time goal late in the game. Uh, City seemed a little disinterested in that part. It was pretty well put away in bed. One of the things that uh, take away from this game is how, how dynamic now, with the influx of the MLS signings, uh, the offense and the attack is for City 2. And with that, they're playing an extremely high line. And that's leaving them sometimes exposed in the back. Timbers 2 took advantage of it. Quakes 2 really took advantage of it. But it's the class in finishing that City 2 had such trouble with early in the season. It has now not been an issue for City 2. And it's not all the new signings. It seems like uh, everyone's picked up their game. They're finishing off these chances, and they're being very, very deadly and bearing opponents pretty early, and they need to keep that up because there's two big games to go on the road. Yeah, it definitely seems like we're getting down to the end of the season, and and the guys that weren't the, you know, that were here from the academy or we brought them in, uh, you know, domestically are kind of picking up on that and they're realizing, okay, now's the time recency bias, make your mark, really put that polish on your game to make your last case for jumping, you know, at least being brought in for preseason at the, at the first team. And I, I, I think that's what's showing on the pitch right now is, is just that next gear that they're showing. They do in fact have. And uh, something to keep an eye on, or at least I will be, because in my opinion, at this point, you start to see who's the real class players amongst the original City 2 players. And who, when they get the better players coming in, pick up their game. In other words, they're able to... Things are being accomplished that they were trying to do earlier that weren't pulled off or getting pulled off now. 
I have to say, Juan Cousin is very solidly in that. You're seeing a big uptick in Akil Watts, I think, as well. Uh, and just being able to convert chances and the moves that they're trying to make being seen in the ball getting to them. Uh, so that's a way of separating who you think might possibly make it to the big squad as opposed to who might have another year uh, down in uh, Tier 3 if they choose or moving on to another USL franchise for next season. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Juan Cazane, I just thought that this was fun. Um, he had a good game, but, uh, didn't hit the score sheet on this one. Although he tried, um, I, uh, I'm almost a hundred percent sure this was him. I didn't really go back to check cause I saw it and I was like, that has to be, that has to be Kuz. Um, had a, had a strike from good couple of yards outside of the box on frame, took a good save. And I was like, yeah, that's Kuz. <laughs> Kuz is the only one that would take that shot. <laughs> Are we are we officially going with Coos as his nickname? Because I approve one hundred percent. I heard. Uh, I think it was the uh, Flyover Footy guys calling him that, so I kind of picked it up from them. Uh, let's roll with it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Credit work. Yeah, credit where credits due. But and uh, well, Coach Game by Coach Kafedich, who was sitting in for uh, Coach John Hackworth, who had to sit out the game because of accumulation of yellow cards from the bench. There is a love of coach that's into a game. Uh, after the game, there's a report, I believe it is in the story by Tom Timberman of St. Louis Today, uh, that uh, Hackworth admitted that he didn't tell anyone, at least outside the club, that he was suspended. One assumes that he told people inside the club that he was suspended before he failed to board the flight <laughs> going to the West Coast, but uh, that is what it is. Yeah. Because I, I had missed that, and then they showed a, showed the graphic um, for the, the starting lineup, and it said uh, Coach Kvejic, and I'm like, why is Kvejic coaching this game? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. But that's the way it was. The announcer didn't get the memo, though. Yeah. He kept saying Coach John Hackworth. I do think that, in fairness, largely when that was being discussed, the announcer was discussing previous comments Hackward had made. No, that could be. Either way, it's it's encouraging to see that you, you know, if you have a coach that, that is as involved as Hackworth is in the game and, you know, gets accumulation, you can have one of the assistants come in and the boys can still conduct their their business as as needed and and get the the result, keep the team the other team out of the game just enough that they can hold on to uh, hold on to wins and keep points and that's always good to see. Uh this is a Another big win on the road for a, the best road team in MLS Next Pro by far. Uh, and it uh, makes a difference in what's important, which is the table. So how's the standings looking right now, Mason? Well, do 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 uh, City 2 is now leading the table. If there was a supporter shield in MLS Next Pro, we would be on top of it. Um, Tacoma Defiance took the L in Salt Lake um, straight up, and so that opened the window for us. We beat beat the crap out of Timbers, too, quite frankly. Uh, and um, and we jumped them, I believe, by two points on the table, and so that puts us first overall, first in the West, and then heading into next week, Tacoma has a bye, so we have a chance to widen that lead. That'll lead up our uh, game in hand on them, though, mm. on that. Uh, you know, the Sporter Shield, traditionally, 
there is no official award for that. It comes from the supporters. Uh, I am somewhat artistically inclined, but not so much as to actually create a supporter shield to present the team, say, at the end of the season. But if any listeners out there might be so inclined, it might be uh, something interesting to get in contact with the club with, with the design, and see if they could actually get it uh, implemented into actual form. Or maybe there's someone that could accomplish that here within the listeners. Just a thought that just struck me as we were talking about this. It's it's just a giant piece of plywood, like a giant plywood circle, and we slap every St. Louis supporters group sticker <laughs> on it and, and award it to the team <laughs> on the last game of the season I, if they win it. I, I was thinking even cheaper. Just cut out like a shield shape out of cardboard, cover it in tin foil, and then like paint it with the city crest. <laughs> I got a whole Oh no 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 we got it it comes from the supporters. You have to have the supporter logos on the shield to make it official from the supporters. So we all slap a sticker on there and then hand it to the team. You know, down the line each group puts a sticker on there and of course we're gonna have a podcast sticker on there and then we hand it to the team. I think it'd be great. The podcast shield. That's what we need. The podcast shield. <laughs> the podcast shield. What do you think, over and uh, City SC Report? What do you think? <laughs> uh, all of you, chime in. But uh, really, uh, I'm just a big picture guy. I come up with ideas. Uh, hopefully, somebody might follow through and actually implement something. <laughs> if you remember when the Philadelphia Union won the supporter shield in MLS during the pandemic, they were unable to get the shield itself actually to Philadelphia but there was some dude in the area that had a real uh, Captain America shield, and they presented that to the team on the field. I, th- I think we, sh- I think we should proactively make our make a soccer capital podcaster shield to award to next pro best record, and just start mailing that out every season. I think that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, a foldable one made out of cardboard <laughs> that we could just ship off in a padded envelope. <laughs> the division winners, Podcaster Shield yeah. Award. But where were we? What's the next game for City 2? Next game, uh, we start our uh, two-stop trip through uh, Texas. Uh, on Saturday, September 3rd, we are playing Dynamo Dos. Uh, kickoff for that is at 7 p.m. Uh, Dynamo Dos have gone 3 0 and 2 in their last five. They dropped both of those draws in the shootout. A win over Dynamo Dos for City 2 would uh, get would secure a first round home field advantage for City 2 in the playoffs, but perhaps even most importantly, would clinch the Frontier Division. Oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot they have divisions within the conference. Everyone at did at this level. <laughs> Everyone did. I knew of it, but it just didn't seem very important, so I've ignored it all season. It does not matter. Hey, but, woo! We won the division. Uh conference a little different, but the division meh. Who care? Yeah. No, very, very obviously, what's most much more important is that a win would get that first round home field advantage. That could be a big thing because uh, uh, I know that City 2 players really love having the support of the home crowd. We are probably the most raucous crowd in MLS Next Pro. 
Yeah, that would be uh, be very fun to see. Yep. I think uh, just as important, though, is, you know, it would secure a first round home home field, but uh, it would all but guarantee a uh, getting top seed in the conference, which if we can get that first, uh, there's only three games left for us. So if we win against Dynamo Dose, that can almost get that that might be that gets us that much closer to having home field throughout the playoffs, which is massive. Yeah, I was puzzling this one out a little bit earlier. If we win against Dynamo Dose, then um, then Tacoma would have to win both of their last two games in order to catch us. If they drop, and we would have to lose one, both of our games at the same time. Yes. We would have to lose our game against North Texas and SKC2 for this to be plausible. And then if Tacoma won both of theirs, they would catch us, uh, overtake us. I think that if they drop one or if they even if they tie and lose, I think they're donezo. I think Columbus Crew is in a very similar boat because they're only one point ahead of them. They're right in between us and Tacoma. So... We're on the same number of games as them, though, so getting that throughout the playoffs home field is going to be a little bit come down to the last game, but Dynamo Dose is a very important game, and we need all the support we can get. Uh, yeah, the the Crew 2 is going to have a lot easier running because Eastern Conference just simply isn't as difficult to you know, go through than the uh, Western. Uh Still a lot of uh, hard games for uh, City 2 to continue on the road in this long road trip. Uh, Dynamo Dose and then North Texas are still uh, two of the best teams in the conference. And then a budding little rivalry game, perhaps, against uh, SKC2 uh, in that last one. And, of course, in all of these, City now has the huge target on the back, the, you know, the game everybody, the team everybody wants to knock off, especially now they're bringing in so many uh, accomplished uh, professionals in to play these games. Uh, good balance, though, for City 2 into keeping uh, the players that had gotten them this far and uh, then also getting some work in for the MLSers uh, on this. And I think it's something that uh, Coach John Hackworth has... Uh, uh, kind of spoken about is uh, trying to keep that balance between the two as they go forward. How long until the competitive juices say just play your best team no matter who it is and win these games and win everything and put a stamp put a stamp on MLS before you even get to MLS, really. Looking now towards the academy, there was some movement there with the brand brand newest is that really a word? <laughs> Brandest new. <laughs> yeah, Brandest new uh, team. The U21s opened up the season already in uh, UPSL. Gotta get used to saying that. Upsell. Yeah. Uh, and to give us a rundown on that, uh, here's Mason. Yeah, so uh, the U21 season has begun playing in UPSL, their premier division. Um. They dropped their first game. Uh, it was an away game against Deportivo Mijalisco, uh in Nashville. And it was a two to one result, which is not a very bad result, especially for this team, which 
we found out about about a week ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Dita Armstrong got the goal for City. Um, and uh, this game was played on the 28th. This really has happened kind of bang, bang, bang. Um, I imagine that these players have known about this for a while, but from our perspective, this has all happened very quickly. One would hope they've known about it for a while. One would hope. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> hey, listen. Uh, <laughs> you want to play in a different league than the one that you're sitting on the bench in? Because like, <laughs> can you help me? Move? I can make no, that happen. No, no, no. It's not that bad. You don't have to help me move. Can you? Can you play a game? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Have you gotten your kit back from the dry <laughs> dry cleaners yet? <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, they are coming back home this weekend to play their home opener for UPSL. Um, now, the last time that I checked when we talked about this last week, I had pulled up the schedule and uh, a little bit feeding the rumor, but also just kind of reporting what I saw. Um, all of City's home games were listed as being played at the training pitches for Centene. This one at the time of recording, has been moved to Creve Core. All the rest of the home games are still listed at Santine. Far as I know, they're going to be playing at Creve Core. Don't really know anything else about it. <laughs> um, it's going to be on Saturday the 3rd, so same day as the Dynamo Dose game. Uh, kickoff for that is at 5 p.m. And, uh, yeah, it's... Getting ready to uh, to get the kids geared up. Anyone know about a UPSL uh, live stream? Is it actually superior to MLS Next Pro? All us, all city fans all across the region want to know this. If you know of any way to watch UPSL, do let us know because I have not been able to find anything. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that it can't get much worse because uh, up until recently, the stream would cut out every time we scored. So. Bar's pretty low. Well, I am going to be completely honest because I think that the answer to is there a way to watch UPSL is just flatly no, which is technically worse than MLS Next Pro, where there is at least technically a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but the stream itself is not technically worse because it doesn't exist. Yeah, and it's a good thing it, it, there's no way to technically watch them because I technically actually have a life outside of soccer and podcasting. I don't. I greatly. would love to go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's at Creve Corps. <laughs> anything else about City 2? We heard anything else? Um, Rumors of player signings, but there's always that. And there will be nonstop until they fill out the roster. Well, then I think that that is all that we've really got for City this week. And uh, so next, uh, also winding down their season, like uh, City 2, is the big leagues, the MLS. And to give us a rundown of uh, how things are finishing up this season, that gives us a look at what City will actually be facing next season. It's our own, not anybody else's, Sean Campbell. All right, well... I, I liked I liked last week when we had a little we started off the MLS segment with a little bit of a discussion as opposed to just jumping right into game score game score game score. I got another little article to uh to plug here. This one is actually written another MLS article written. This one's written by Joseph Lowry. 
it's it's just a brief little discussion on the the front runners for the supporters shield that we've you know we discussed at length of our own version earlier um kind of given a couple reasons why you know any one of the top four could or or might not win the shield um so i would like to just go go quickly and say that i you know give my pick for who i think is going to actually win the shield and why they will and why the other ones aren't and see where you guys stand with that um my bet is actually going to be on austin i think they're the most complete of the four um, because the options are Austin, Philly, LAFC, and Montreal. But I think Montreal left it a little too late. LAFC is showing cracks of the team not fitting together as well as they thought coming down the stretch. Um, Philly seems to be able to score tons of goals when they're up against teams that aren't very good. But when they're up against actual playoff level you know, teams right now, they can't put the ball in the net to save their life. Um, Austin's been pretty consistent. All season long, I would not be surprised if they win. They're my pick to kick. Yeah, I can see that. I'm not picking Austin. I think that uh, their defensive issues that have raised their heads uh, that they have to score to overcome will be their uh, detriment. Uh, LAFC very well could win. They're certainly in the driver's seat. They're way ahead. But they are showing cracks in the uh, chemistry issues. They've lost some talent off that squad. It's becoming apparent that uh, Vela and Bale really aren't going to mesh together on the pitch because they like to play in the exact same spot on the pitch. And don't get run-ins behind uh, if they're not on the break. On the break, they're devastating, but uh, teams can uh, break, you know, stop them from breaking constantly, and that's going to slow them up, and we're starting to see that. Uh, Club de Foot Montreal, just they're too far behind. They're a good team. Really good team, uh, but uh, they got a long way to go to catch any of these others, uh, especially LAFC. But if anyone can do it, the Philadelphia Union are right now an absolute machine on historic, on a real historic bent. Uh, word came down that uh, this week they had broken the record previously held by Sporting Kansas City amongst uh, another, I believe of uh, games in which you have six-plus goals uh, that you won by. Uh, the record used to be three. It is now four held by the Philadelphia Union. And uh, they've done it in their last ten matches this season. Now, this is not a season award. This is all time in the history of MLS. And the last ten games, Philadelphia Union went from not on the leaderboard to atop the leaderboard in 10 games. Can they keep this up? I don't know. But one reason why they might is they now have a 39 goal, plus 39 goal differential, only two times in the history of MLS is any team's top 40. And they have given up 20 goals, which is on pace for the second best defensive season in the history of of MLS. You've got one of the best attacking seasons in the history of MLS and one of the best offensive seasons in the MLS. That's a team to keep your eye on. I would absolutely agree that they are, you know, they are putting goals in at a, at a record-setting pace at the moment. But again, you have to you have to look at the teams that they are putting in these six goal, you know, 
beatdowns against two of them have been against DC United. One of them was against Houston, who was floundering at the time. And then they just now did it to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the Rapids who have also we've also noted have been absolutely defensively absent for a good portion of the year. Yes, it's great to see them scoring, but you have to wonder how much of it is the fact that they're just coming up against teams that don't know what defense is if it bit them in the face. Now, on the other side of this is they're not just scoring all the goals, but uh, give me uh, at least three, if not all four of these wins have been clean sheets. So they don't have to score six to beat you. They score one. Chances are very good they're going to beat you. So if they have the ability to have a scoring outburst and they don't let you have a goal, that's really hard to beat. I didn't think I was going to be playing devil's advocate here. But uh, I guess I am, because in my head, I'm like, yeah, it could be Philly. But like in my gut, in my heart of hearts, LAFC took this top spot and have had a bulldog tenacity grip on it. And it's real recency bias, both this outburst, this glut of Philly goals and this shakiness of LAFC. LAFC has been rock solid all season, even after the transfers in. It's only just now they've hit a little bit of a rough patch. Two games? Uh, Two games. Okay, we're getting down to the wire, I know, but that's two games of a sample size of the whole season. I can't disagree. If I had 20 bucks right now, and I would ever, ever, ever bet on MLS, I'd put on LAFC to win the Shield. Oh, I'm sticking with Austin. Austin's been right up there with them since since day one of this season. All the way through, and, and I, I, I don't know if if anyone else listening remembers this, but like coming into the midway point, we we're thinking, is Austin? When's Austin going to fall away? When are they going to fall away? They never did, and they've been pretty steady. They, they've never really had a, a true dip in form. They've been going punch for punch with LAFC. LAFC seems to be showing the cracks, and that's why I'm going with Verde and Black. What if it just came it down that uh, Sebastian Jerusi? Uh hurt his hamstring in training today you change your voice then <laughs> it, did that just happen please please tell me that did not just actually no come it down. did not but there's the answer to what happens to austin season if it does oh man you just gave me a heart attack and i'm not even an austin fan oh my goodness i i just refreshed my i i keep the mls main page open during recording just for situations like that and i just frantically hit refresh hoping that you were wrong <laughs> <laughs> but after that little interjection uh oh. if you want to find out what the the accomplished uh, analyst joe lowry had to say you can look it up on mls.com the ubiquitous mls soccer.com don't go to mls.com no you'll find out about the real estate they'll try to sell you a house yeah so now we got that out of the way, Sean. What's uh, what's going on in MLS? Any off off uh, the pitch news? Well, yeah, we'll start with some off pitch news. Um, in case we missed, failed to mention this last week, uh, it was officially announced that Luchi Gonzalez is going to be taking over the head coaching gig at San Jose after World Cup finishes. So he that does also answer the question. He will continue to be the assistant for the national team until the World Cup's done, and then we'll be taking over during preseason in San Jose. On the other side of things, we have a little bit, we have a, a departure from the league, and Howard Webb is leaving pro for a, I'm assuming, a fairly similar role 
with the uh, refing system in England, and he will be involved in picking his successor to lead pro once he's gone. But I'm assuming they're they're pulling him so that he can do a similar thing and and up their quality of refing and usage of VAR over there. This isn't even like a and for the listeners who don't know, I just straight up don't know what is pro. Pro is the professional refing organization. Okay. They are the people that train the referees that I yell at and and <laughs> um what's the word I'm looking for? Criticize Ber- berate. week in and week out. <laughs> I don't berate them. I am respectful. I respectfully disagree. You, with you don't berate them anymore after you got tossed from that college game. <laughs> oh no 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 no. The college game, I had a rapport with them and and you know, I didn't get tossed. I was told to uh stop using the curse word. <laughs> I won't ask which curse word. Uh, actually, in my opinion, this is kind of a big loss for MLS, but it was a great win for MLS to get Howard Webb. When he came into the league to shore up and standardize and, you know, bring up the level of referees in MLS, they were an absolute joke. Now they just might be a bit of a joke, but their standard of referees has increased immensely. And I think the quality of play in the MLS during his time with Pro has also increased immensely. And I don't think that those two are inseparable. Uh, He helped institute VAR into the game, as MLS is uh, one of the places FIFA turns to to investigate and work out new things. And to this day, I think that MLS, of all the top uh, leagues in the world, uh, does far better than just about anyone else does with their holding to the only, you know, clear and obvious error. Yeah, and I would have to agree that as much as I, as much as I criticize how the refs do in this league and how they handle VAR, and I disagree with their decisions, um, they very much do a great job with VAR. It's handled very well here to the point where other major sports leagues in the country are kind of taking example and using that they're, they're kind of incorporating that kind of a uh what's we're looking for rule of thumb of usage of video review and incorporating it into their sport um but i also wanted to say that uh the level of refing in mls has gone up so much so that there are i, I want to say it was four referees from pro that got named to the world cup refing squad which is big because i can't remember the last time an mls ref made it to a world cup yeah uh, that is huge i didn't know that um but uh on the topic of like the other like the big four um at least uh yeah i i didn't really watch when mls refing was that bad but when i started watching lately um i came in and i was like this is so much better than like the nhl even the nhl's a, a horror show um, and that's not even getting into like um jobs in baseball. Um, but MLS refing has always seemed fine to me. Uh, refing is a subjective job. It's your subjective calls. I disagree with a lot of them, but it has not seemed overly blatantly f- like ruinous, right? Uh, there are still some incomprehensible things that happen among referees in MLS, but. Uh, consistency is there now more than it was before 
for sure. Uh, the level of referees, uh, and it's been noticeable, and it has improved to play on the pitch. On the other hand, uh, he's off to tackle another dragon because the consistency and comprehensibility of refereeing in the English Premier League has just been shattered. They're in an absolute nosedive. There's calls made that I just can't imagine how their VAR is an absolute mess. He's got he's got more work to do. Yeah, he's gonna he's got his his plate ready for him. Um, I think he's up to the challenge, and I think he's gonna do a great job. Uh, I wanted to say one last bit on referees before we move along. Um, it's actually six referees from pro are going to be referees at the World Cup, not ARs, not fourth officials, not time judge, referees. Um, Usually, and I, MLS has had one. Right. Uh, the only one that the 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 one returning is um, Ismail Elfath. He was at the 2020 Olympic Games. Um, he's also done a couple of gold cups, um, but they also have a couple of they also have Kyle Atkins, Catherine Nesbitt, Corey Parker, Drew Fisher and Armando Villarreal. Um, those those last two are going to be there as uh, video assistant referees They're They are the VAR. But still, having six officials going is is groundbreaking. It's going to be great to see, and it, I think it's just a testament to how how good the the, the standard of refing has been in this league. Um, can't wait to see who they bring in to continue the the the. I don't want to say standard of excellence, but the increasing of quality of refing is it how is, I'll place it. It is MLS. They'll bring in somebody with Coke bottle bottom glasses. Cross <laughs> eyed. Oh uh, yeah, I love to have I love to have my refing my refing professional organization run by a dude in a leisure suit. <laughs> uh, well, moving along from referees to actual, moving along to actual players, we have a signing in New England. The Revolution signed Ignacio Nacho Hill through the end of the year. Yes, this is in fact the little brother of Carlos Hill. And I just have to wonder, is this another Chara situation where you have the brothers Chara just bossing the midfield up up west? Uh, are you going to see the brothers heel doing it up east? We the will see. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they play one's defense, one's midfield. These are both midfield brothers here. I have no scouting report on Nacho Heel. Uh, whereas Jimmy Chara... It did have something, and Portland had chasing him for years, actually, to bring him in. So we'll see how it goes. Not at all like the Neelis brothers, that I cannot keep which one straight, because they play for different teams. So it's good to have the brothers on the same team. That way you can keep them straight. It also doesn't <laughs> help that there are the uh, two Neelis brothers that played in MLS, and there are the two Neelis brothers that stopped in college. There are four of them, actually. There is. Um, <laughs> I did look at that filthy one. filthy with Neelis. <laughs> Seriously, they, they, they have the potential to be the MLS version of the Sutter brothers or the, the Stahl brothers, but I don't think we'll see that. It's like watching baseball in the 2000s, filthy with Molinas. Um, but no, I... We'll see how these brothers work together on the pitch. Um, I, I I asked the question as soon as I saw his picture. I was like, "That's gotta be that's gotta be his brother." They spitting image, absolute spitting image. But I love the fact that his, he goes by Nacho. 
Hopefully they um, wear different hairstyles so you can pick them out on the pitch. Unlike the Charas. Nope. They they have them they both wear it high and tight, so it's gonna be hard. They even they even have the same beard. So oh, oh. it's gonna be hard to pick them out right next to each other. Hopefully Nacho's a scrub and doesn't uh, actually <laughs> play much, so it'd be easy to keep him straight. Plot twist, Nacho overtakes Carlos and becomes the new MVP candidate. Not this season. It's but moving along, the end. <laughs> we'll keep it moving with some with some other contract extensions here. Uh, in Charlotte, they gave a contract extension to Shin Yashiki. And since he unsurprisingly gives a contract extension to Brenna Vasquez, both of these are through 2025 guaranteed with an option for 2026. Um, Brian Rodriguez leaves LAFC and gets signed at Club, Club America. And the Galaxy bring in a defender in absolute veteran defender in Martin Caceres. He's a center back age 35, uh, taking a page out of F- LAFC's book but going with the Uruguayan national team member, um, 113 caps for La Celeste, 110 starts at Juve between 2009 and 2016. Still very important for their back line. And this looks to be another one of those short stint signings to stay in form going into the World Cup. Uh, could be. It could also be if he can actually defend as a, as a center back could really help the Galaxy in their fight to get a playoff spot here at the very tail end of the season. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we'll see him stick around too much. He might go back over to Europe. Um, I, I I don't know. But we'll we'll see how this works, and we'll see if Bale stays. We'll see if Chiellini stays. That's, that's for after the World Cup. I'm more excited about the World Cup at this point. I do just want to say for, uh, for Cincy... Um, yeah, I'm not at all surprised that they uh, that they resigned Vasquez because I think they would have been tremendously foolish had they not. <laughs> and it was just an extension, so I think this might be, hey, we're going to give you the extension for a year or two, see what we can work out, and then give you the big deal after that. And I think that uh, the new direct, uh, technical director and head coach coming over from the union are just too smart to do anything stupid like that. Previous seasons in Cincy, oh, they tried to sell him for some cash and tore their team apart to hire somebody else that cost even more that couldn't play the game or didn't have a coach that could actually use them, like, say, Brenner? Well, he's finally kicking on. We're seeing it happen. Like I said, they brought in people that know what they're doing, so now the players that are good can play. Exactly. Um, moving along, we've got uh, confirmation. Mamadou Fall loaned to v- Villarreal over in La Liga. Finalized. It happens. Uh, he's going to be there through June of 2023. Although the the recall rights are maintained. So that means at any given time, his team can say, hey, no, we want him back right now and just pull him right back. Because Mamadou Fall is one of the most precious commodities in all of world football. A young center back that's already good and has an enormous potential and talent. LAFC has one of the most precious commodities in all of world football. He gets a chance to be on his stage. But when they do sell him rather than loan him out, 
they're going to be looking for world-class money and something that might blow out all the records for transfers out of MLS. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. This is the, a the very kind exciting of, young player. The kind of money they were looking for for Tati? Yeah, and I think they're no, going to no, get no. it. If I'm not more. much bigger. I'm thinking much bigger. This this isn't just someone you bring in plus when they. This sell isn't this just guy. this isn't just a player that you can put on the pitch and have him score a few goals for a couple of seasons and then sell him on to bring someone else in. The Mabadou Fall is the type of defensive talent that you could build a back line around and have it anchored by him for years and years to come. And a loan deal to La Liga uh, will give him actual uh, gravitas in the European market rather than just coming from MLS. That ratchets up his level, just the floor of that contract and being the type of player he is and how young he is. Uh, and actually the kind of level that there is in MLS, he could come back, play for LAFC, still be extremely young on the world stage and in two years plus after he finishes his loan and be put on the market, yeah, things could change a lot for him and for MLS and for LAFC by that time. All right, don't everyone jump all at once to prove me wrong. I, I said the Tati comparison because you meant record setting, not in terms of actual money. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I wasn't trying to jump on you. I was just trying to say that you're on the right track, but like, go further. Take a bullet train past <laughs> Tati, and that's what you might be able to get for if he if he keeps progressing at the rate he is. Babadu Fall could bullet train past Tati level money, and this is to go even further beyond. <laughs> but exactly. promises were also made to Tati. He's also a bit older than Fall. Uh, they were kind of in a corner to have to move him. Teams knew that they didn't meet the valuation, though perhaps they should have. Uh, with Fall, you still got some control over him, I believe. I haven't really delved into contract knowledge. Uh, but by the time they're ready to sell him, MLS is probably going to start to really have leverage in the world marketplace to grab bigger money than Tati had because he's older and, uh, it is. Uh, the development of MLS for <laughs> development uh, is just in its infant stage or it's uh, maybe now uh, preteen stage. It could uh, mature much further by the time he's ready to be moved on. Well, taking it from someone who is moving on could potentially be worth big money and be a big player. We've got a well-known commodity here finally making their MLS debut in Christian Benteke. Finally makes his DC United debut as his visa finally passes. And I just thought that was worth mentioning because he's a very exciting player to watch, has been for a while, and good on him for finally making his debut. And he's going to save their season, and they're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, congratulations to DC United for winning the World Series. <laughs> They're going to score a touchdown <laughs> from the opposite end of the ice and and get the get the point after try. It's going to be amazing. Uh. 
which would be a good turnaround for DCU United since the Union have scored touchdowns against them twice already this season. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Keeping Go it within birds. the Christians. Keeping it within the Christians, we've got a little bit of an injury update. Uh, Christian Roldan is going to be out four to six weeks minimum with the groin surgery. Uh, and I think it's. It, I think we're getting to the point where Seattle can write this season off as as injury stricken just as much as sporting KC can. And like they, they literally could just be like too many injuries. This just put this one in the rear view. Don't worry about it. Let's look forward. Uh, don't want to twist the knife too much, but at least Seattle has some hardware to show for it. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mason, I could, I could very, I have, I have the entirety of this podcast in my hand. <laughs> I could make your life a living hell. <laughs> Love you, buddy. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's, let's move on. Moving on, we have some actual games. We're going to keep it in the in the uh, Cascadia region. We have we officially have a winner of Cascadia Cup. Congrats to Portland Timbers for getting that one and a nice bounce back win after getting trampled by Sporting KC last weekend. Um, just their third win of the cup in the MLS era. Good on them. Yeah, one thing I agree with the armchair analyst Matt Doyle from uh, MLSsoccer.com that the health of Sebastian Blanco and the return of Eric Williamson has transformed this Timbers team late in the season to be ready for a run to MLS Cup. If the Sounders aren't going to be there from the Western Conference, well, who else? But the Portland Timbers, since those two teams have been the last seven MLS Cups representing the Western Conference. But right now, Timbers, with those two coming back in, are much more dynamic, much more dangerous than they had been before. Well, to be fair, all three of the uh, Cascadia teams are within four points of that last playoff spot. Very, very much still alive in this race. Um, even technically sporting KC's not mathematically out of it. There's still a chance. I didn't um, say it this time. <laughs> there's still a chance. Uh, and I will say with them stringing along wins this late in the season, uh, looking like they have some actual life in them after Agata and Tommy have been putting in great performance after great performance. This Western Conference could be an absolute uh, whirling dervish come decision day. You know, the odds are a million to one against Sporting KC. But they just says, you've got a chance. you got a chance. <laughs> Tommy I mean, and Agata have changed things. Te te Technically, Houston Dynamo aren't are, are their last place in the league, and they're still not mathematically out yet. I think DC United is the only team that is mathematically out of a playoff spot. But now they got Penteke. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Mathematically, I don't think it's even possible for them to make a playoff spot. But could they still make the Super Bowl? <laughs> the World Cup? No. <laughs> I don't think they can even make that. <laughs> Uh, but as we said earlier, Philly lays another touchdown win on DC this week. Um, we already mentioned their their uh, six plus goal victory streak. Um, I, I mean, Mike, do you have anything else you want to say about that one? Wow. Or do you think we? I think we. Covered <laughs> yeah, that yeah one you nailed well. it on the head there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Insigne puts. <laughs> 
put gets the game winner in a 2-0 win over Charlotte with an absolute filthy volley on a corner kick. It, yeah, this is my wow. <laughs> Near post bike. <laughs> eh, bike, side volley, more of a side volley, but still gets over it and slams it on, you know, hits it hard enough that it bounces on the ground right in front of the keeper and then up bar down ski. Filthy. Toronto still a lot of work to go to get in the playoffs, even in MLS. Uh, wow, all of a sudden getting in the playoffs in MLS is a hard, hard thing to do. Uh, but with these Italians coming in and starting to get the game fitness, you don't really want to face them in the Eastern Conference, do you? Hey, oh, pass it to the Italians. <laughs> hey. One last game I want to mention, and this one was the most hotly contested, you know, in some in some ways. Uh, it was the it was the proverbial battle clash of the titans between Austin FC and LAFC. Austin lays a beat down of four to one. Uh, they don't come out. They don't come away unscathed though, because there was a bit of a tussle on the sideline between uh, Maxi Arudi and Murillo. As Mario goes full Neymar and flops, flops harder than I've seen anyone flop in an Olympic-sized swimming pool without getting touched. Crepo comes over and uh, tries to get involved, ends up giving Arudi another shove. It, it, it was just unnecessary. It was a mess. Arudi comes out of it with the card, which I don't think he deserved at all. It, it was just a mess to watch. I thought it was hilarious to watch Chiellini try to play mediator there and break everybody apart as he's trying to warm up to sub into the game. <laughs> yeah, like some real like zero tolerance school bullying thing there where they where they give the victim the card. <laughs> yeah, that's the nature of the world, isn't it? Sad but true. One other game, uh... Or one other thing about the MLS this week is I want to talk about, and yes, unfortunately, I said the MLS. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we will never let you forget it. <laughs> I won't forget it. Uh, LA, uh, not LAFC, the other coast, NYCFC, are just a shadow of what they were before they lost Tati and especially Ronnie Dahlia, uh, because under Cushing, they're just a shadow of the team they used to be, and they're dropping points left and right, and they're not putting fear into anyone right now. And all that uh, backup and all those plans and what we thought, they're just not playing the same fashion and the same way, and it really isn't working for them. They're in, they're approaching freefall status, but I, they're still going to be safe for the playoffs. But right now, if you are a fan of the Pigeons, you got to be really worried about we won and done in the playoffs. Yeah, as I say, you really got to fear a first round exit right now because that's what that's what it's shaping up to be, right? Oh, wait, so you're you're telling me that I shouldn't be expecting a second piece of printer paper to hang at Yankee Stadium next year? Yeah, uh, sell your stock. <laughs> I mean, the stock's probably bigger than that banner is. Uh, but I've been hoarding printer paper all year. <laughs> I was ready to make a banner for him. It was probably going to be a lot better. <laughs> I was going to I was going to put glitter on it. <laughs> Why don't you graphic out... design is my passion, okay? <laughs> Why don't you start working on designing that uh printer paper uh, banner for STLSC? 
City oh, oh, 2. Yeah, the podcast <laughs> Shield. MLS Next Pro. <laughs> the the MLS on. Next Pro Podcaster's Shield. I'm going to get on that right away. <laughs> Reappropriating the glitter glue. Everybody send me send me a sticker and and I will put it on the shield as a as the podcaster shield. It's gonna be amazing. I think that's about all I've got for MLS, but before we go, I want to cover one last thing as we get into this run-up to the World Cup and more more closely to this final window in September. I uh, just you know like to give you keep you guys abreast of what's happening across the seas. For all of our USMNT guys that are probably going to be making the trip, um, that final window's right around the corner. We're just waiting on that wa- roster to drop for camp. Um, just a couple of names to keep keeping your eye on. Um, Josh Sargent continues to be absolutely lethal for the Canaries in the championship over in England. Um, Haji Wright really doing well up front. Jesus Ferreira, as you can tell, is always doing well. Uh, Brandon Vasquez. He's having a, cal- a, a an MVP season. Jordan P. Falk is also kicking on very well at, I believe, Union Berlin. Um, the striker conversation is very difficult now, but I think one thing that I can see for sure is I'm not sure Pepe makes the plane this time. No. He hasn't shown what Brandon Vasquez has in MLS this year. A- a- anywhere near that, the ability to make moves off the ball, to get in position. Uh, Vasquez with his size, his ability to score from score, different goals from different areas. He's up there. Sargent's got everything. But unless something, somebody really just blows it away in the September camp, uh, Jesus Ferreira is going to start as the number nine because the team around him performs so much better when he's on the pitch even if he's not really performing in the national team shirt, the team has performed around him so much better than they did with anyone else on that. And the other thing to keep in mind is this September camp is not really one to find salute, maybe at the striker position, especially the backup. Uh, but the rest of it is the the working through the first team, it's already set somebody's really going to have to blow things out of the water to come in and uh, grab a spot. Maybe it's center back, maybe up front. The rest of it, they're set, and this is going to be the same old names you've heard play because it's too late to start adding pieces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm definitely seeing this window. The more and more I look at it, um, this is getting the, the, the first team to play together, get them in a camp together as, you know, as, as soon as you can. You make some final decisions on your depth spots, but I think we can all agree that uh, the 11 we've been watching are going to be the 11 that are going to be starting getting that first run out. Yeah, unless you do as I have and kind of forgotten when those friendlies are coming up. End of September, in that window, we've got those friendlies against Japan and Saudi Arabia, two teams that are also going to the World Cup. Yeah, and there's something else that might have opened up is that Low down on the roster spot for the Swiss Army knife sort of uh, uh, substitute to come in uh, with a heady soccer brain about him because Roldan's injury could be problematic for Berhalter's plans to fill a role like that that's not crucial until you really need 
that guy, I the glue gonna, guy on the field. I was going to say, everything that you said about Jesus Ferreira, where when he takes the pitch, everyone around him plays better, yeah, especially when he's wearing a national team jersey, you can say about Christian Roldan, you throw him in there as a substitute at the 50th, 60th minute, all of a sudden that team switches gears. Yeah, because they're, they're a bunch of very talented, more talented than him, players, but they're very young. And Roldan's the one with the coach's brain that knows how to put his foot on the ball, quiet him down, implement the directions from the coach late in the game. And from the outside looking in, you think, what's that important? To a head coach picking a team, they want that. They want at least one player. They want a whole team of players that can do that. But they really want one they can count on at the most crucial moments to explain what the plan is. They will understand it and be able to tell it to the other players on the pitch. Well, and I guess much more importantly than just reiterating our thoughts on Christian Roldan is who is going to take that place? Don't have a name. I don't have an answer. (laughs) Yeah. I can tell you who it's not going to be with the way things are going. I I don't see that being Pulisic at the moment. (laughs) Pulisic has been continuing to sit at Chelsea, not getting any sort of meaningful minutes under Tuchel. Um, So I I don't know how... I don't know how much how much we're going to put on him to be the yeah he's going to wear the captain's armband but I don't think he's going to be that that glue guy as as much as we think he's going to be. Yeah, I you don't want a guy like Christian uh, Pulisic being the glue guy either. Yeah, he's I never got too important a role. I never thought that he would be. Yeah, it, <laughs> Tyler Adams would be amongst the starters what I'd call a glue guy. Uh but uh Chelsea would not let him go. Because even though he's sitting on the bench and not starting, he's just far too valuable with what they're facing to let him go. Especially to anybody that might be competing for a spot in the top four. He's still valued at Chelsea, even if he's not playing that much. Somebody gets injured, Pulisic's right there, and they know his quality. Yeah, so things well, could change before the World Cup, even if they don't look like it right now. But he will always be the starter, and he's in ink, and there's very, very few in ink. Oh, I mean, he's going to get the start. He's going to get the armband. That's that's just guaranteed. I just don't know how much you can rely on him to be the the you know um, the touchstone guy that that you know you can expect from a glue guy because he's not. He's trying to work on himself at the moment as best he can. Um, I, I would say that like you can't rely on him to do that role at all because that's not his role. That's not the game he plays. Then they need to give that armband to somebody else. They should give. You it can't to just Tyler put that armband on some. They need to put it on Zimmerman is what they need to do. No, put it on Tyler, Walker. From the time he was seventeen years old, Tyler Adams has been a guy that has commanded because of his personality the armband. If you're really going to give a captaincy to a national team. And there needs to be more consistency, both in kits and things like this. Going forward, Tyler Adams is the captain of that team. He appears captaincy. I would uh, agree. I still think Walker Zimmerman has a has a hat to throw in that ring, but that's just Pulisic me. is the absolute beacon because everything that else has happened has followed him. 
He's the first one to break all these molds, and he will always have a leadership role because everybody is trying to replicate what he's done. And despite all the good things, nobody has quite replicated what he's done. Yeah, he's Captain America, right? But I don't know. Should we take Captain America so literally in this case? He won a Champions League and scored the winning goal in the semifinals against Real Madrid. There's not a lot of people in the world who have done that, much less American soccer players. I still don't think we should be putting the armband on him. That much I think we can all agree on. No, he's not a that type of captain. But they're going to keep doing it because they have they have yeah. and they keep and they will. And Especially I mean, since Weston McKinney went through that patch where he had some questionable decisions. Um Also, since Pulisic's having a tough time at the club level, uh it's also a boost to his confidence to keep him going to give him the captain's armband. Yeah. If it's something he really wants and says, I don't want it, as long as he does want it, it's a boost to his confidence. It's a good it's a good man and management play for the guy who is really truly the talisman of the club. But going forward, uh Tyler Adams is a whether he has the armband or not, Tyler Adams is the captain of that team. I guess I'll I'll really go back to doing like vibes analysis here. Um, if they want to just give the captain's armband to the you know the the face of the franchise, if you will, then fine. It, it redefine what that armband means. I I don't care that much, but then you have to rearrange your expectations for what is going to happen to a player in that role. Because that means that then now you don't expect Christian Pulisic to be doing the types of things that you would typically traditionally expect a captain to do. You need to put that onus on a different player, even if you still put the armband on Christian. Uh, I think we make far too much of the captaincy outside of the locker room. Everybody knows who the leaders are in the locker room. Uh, the one thing about the captaincy is it's a lot of the organization of the players as the go-between with the coach things of that nature. Uh, but once you're on the pitch, who deals with the officials, who has the calm head, who's who's the one in control? Uh, there's a lot of candidates for that. But in the locker room, who the real captain is and who the talisman is, those are two different things. Uh, your best player is always has an aura of authority about them because they're the best player. And the one everybody else has looked up to and still does. And that's clearly Pulisic. But who runs the show? It's Adams. Zimmerman also is probably very well listened to in that locker room. He just has that aura about him as well. They seem to be, Zimmerman and Adams seem to be on a, on the same page on a lot of things. And I think it's, it's like a, it's a team, it's a team of two leading that, that locker room from the outs, from the inside out. Um, which I think is, is very good to have the two, two most important players in your spine being the ones leading it. Cause if they're on the same page, you get them on the same page as your keeper and everyone, everyone looks at that spine. And next thing you know, you've got a very solid team back to front. Very dangerous. Well, and <laughs> in I a would good way. <laughs> yeah. I would be remiss if I did not get my little politics jab in every once in a while. Uh, especially for players who are still in MLS on this squad. Walker Zimmerman really big time stepped up with the Players Association to get that that deal done. 
that that's one of the reasons why he went from out of nowhere to being a an inked in starter for this club and uh where's the armband he just has those qualities uh there was no doubt who the captain was before this generation michael bradley was the captain with no doubt there was no doubt in anybody's mind who who had the brain to do that who had the inclination to organize and keep everything together you know michael bradley was the one i got that wrong because that wasn't walker zimmerman in mls with that players association that was that was walker zimmerman representing the national team so everybody in that locker room knows what he did to get get those guys their money (laughs) oh yeah um but going back to mike's point um I think it's the importance of Bradley being that guy and everyone knew it was it wasn't just because his dad was coach either. It was because he deserved every inch of that of that armband, every inch of being the captain of the squad. Because his dad was coach might have had something to do with the way he was brought up to assume that role. But that wasn't why he was there. He was clearly the captain working hard to 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 uh to shed that shroud of nepotism and just you know, chip off the old block yeah it just has that brain for it has that personality for it and brought up within that realm he just was born into the role and it, it was natural he was the natural leader of that club and if you look at who's the natural leader of the men's national team going forward Everyone will tell you it's Tyler Adams. Well, <laughs> this has ended up well, being a much more of a roundtable conversation about MLS or about the USMNT than I expected. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, before we get too much further into talking about guys and remembering guys. I- into the weeds, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I just want to say one last thing. Um, very interesting to see how, not who gets picked, but how they perform it at keeper. Because... The only person that's actually getting any significant playing time is uh, Stefan and Johnson. And Stefan is him and Middlesbrough are, are, are not looking good right now. Sean Johnson's doing his best to keep NYCFC afloat. Um, Turner sitting on the bench. Horvath sitting on Even the bench. More benched. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I, I don't even that's an interesting question we'll have to keep an eye on and see just who plays how well in the window. I think that's gonna be more indicative than you know, I think we know what three guys are going. It's just a matter of who's going to actually have any sort of good form. Um one last note, uh in UEFA Champions League, there will be at least one US men's national team member in every single group at group stage level that's exciting to see and i want to say that's the first time that's happened ever if if at all i've been following them for a long 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 time getting one player in the champions league was a big 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 deal for a long time now to have them in every group wow yeah um had a had a had a listener uh reply to a tweet um after last week's episode about like oh you guys talked all this about USMNT players but you didn't mention players like James Hands taking 
taking the Rangers to Champions League. And my gut reaction to that was, yeah, because I hate the Rangers. I'm not going to talk about the Rangers. <laughs> well, we can mention that now because he he is very much leading them in, into this Champions League. Um, there's also... Uh, who. Who is his teammate at Rangers? There's two of them at Rangers, isn't there? No. Um, oh, no, it's it's CCV, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers at, at uh, Celtic. Yes, Celtic. Mm-hmm. The other Scottish Just, team to make yeah. it to Champions League. Uh, they're coming after you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Both sides. That's a scary it's, prospect, right? It's there. very exciting to see all all the uh, all the USMNT members actually making it to top tier elite level clubs and playing in the elite level club competitions. Um, and, and and several of them, a lot of them came through the MLS system and it's just a testament to, to where our league is, has come from and where it's going. Loving to see it. Hopefully they can all produce and actually make some very interesting games. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And pointing out about James Anson Rangers by basically Bill Huggins on uh, Twitter. Uh, that was a great question. We encourage everyone to give us feedback. Yeah, we did overlook them, and he's basically yeah. right. But it's hardly, there's so many Americans over in these leagues now. It's hardly our faux pas. Yeah. And also, like, I do want to point out that, like, yes, we should have covered that. Um, that does not mean that I do not hate the Rangers. I do hate the Rangers. Uh, but that is not the reason why we did not talk about James Sands. <laughs> he hates the Rangers. He's an Islanders fan. <laughs> Don't put that devil. Don't put that devil on me. No, they're in At the time of recording last week, we did not have the groups selected yet. Groups had not been drawn. They are now drawn. So I can say the stat of, I think there there is one in each group. Um... And that's there. There are some fringe players on this list, like Josh Cohen at at uh, Maccabee Haifa, um, but there's also a lot of big names like Sands and Tillman at Rangers, Gio Reyna at Dortmund, uh, McKinney and Juventus, Dest at Barcelona, Pulisic, Timmy Chandler at Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Timmy, Chandler. you know it's yeah, Timmy Chandler playing for Eintracht Frankfurt made it into Champions League because they won Europa League last year. Haven't heard that name in years. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, he, he gave way to, I believe, the youth movement. And for obvious reasons. But yes, it's it's just exciting to see, you know, all these players making it. Um, again, sorry we didn't mention that last week. Thank you for calling it out. Thank you for, for giving us the update. I uh, appreciate list- you listening all the way through to actually <laughs> correct us on that at the end of an episode. Um, and also, let's go, you, let's go, you boys in green. But I think we've uh, talked slash painted ourselves into corners here on these conversations. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up and say that, blame me, I'm your host, Mike Turner. (laughs) I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean, that blames Mason. (laughs) And we are the Cooligans! No, we're not. (laughs) No, no, we are Soccer Capital Podcast. And if you're still listening, oh my, how much we thank you. (laughs) Bye for now.